Well, I am rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. So I think we're starting to see the limits of serialized television. How so? These two episodes of United States of Terror, Possibility and Betrayal, are not very well constructed. They feel they're just kind of piles of shit that happen. I was about to say, I, I this bit feels like a little bit of a slump in the series. I, I like Betrayal a lot more, only for what Marshall does. But yeah, the individual scenes are fine, are great, but. The season is ultimately going somewhere, and they're not really sure how to get there. I I would agree with that. I think that, you know, possibility in particular, you know, if you look at the the, the first early episodes of the show, you know, the first three or four episodes of the show, they were very defined by what alter was out at the time. And they also had plots that were contained in the episode, even though characterization and plots were overarching between episodes. Now the show is sort of moving in a direction where I don't know that I could really tell you what the plot of possibility is. I don't know that I could really tell you what the plot of betrayal is. Again, they're just kind of piles of shit, and that's fine. But And I think that a lot of the individual scenes, I like Marshall's through line in, in these two episodes particularly. But on the whole, I don't know that... I could say that these are two well-constructed episodes yeah. of television. Again, they're, they're we've talked. One of the things we talk with Firefly, we were questioning whether it's more or less than some of its parts, and I feel like these this it needs to be more this 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 these episodes, and maybe this series will ultimately get to that. Um, but but again, the season the season is. More or less does have an arc. Ultimately, yes. this bit about the, the what we we will find out by the end of the season what happened with Trip Johansson and the emergence of the altars for the first time. We're going to get uh, that's what this season is ultimately about. But they meander a little too much along the way to get there. Which is interesting because this is only a twelve episode season. These episodes yeah. are about twenty five minutes of actual episode. You know, you've got a previously on, you've got the credits, yeah. you've got the end credits. So, you know, we're not talking about something that's that much longer than like a standard network sitcom. But, and you know, again, I think the United States of Terror is a little bit constrained by the fact that it is only 25 minutes. Yeah. I don't know if the show needs to be longer, but I think that it, there, the some of the episodes feel a little bit short to me. Like they feel like well, a lot of the we, we we said a lot of these feel like okay, this is the second part of of this episode, or you know, I can't really tell where the division between these two episodes is. I maybe, which I think is even harder this week because yeah. again, either neither episode really has that much. You know, they do have moments that are only in that episode. I mean, especially in betrayal with Tara and Charmaine going to the spa. Yeah, That's, but I didn't remember which episode that was in. No, I like I I and I probably only remembered it because I watched Betrayal today. Yeah, yeah. I, I I mean I I like them. I think that the episodes uh, are they do have interesting moments, and I think that what is what what is what is distinctive about the show, of course, is Tara's journey through these altars. Tara's yes. journey through discovering this new altar, Gimme. The, the the elements of the show which don't work, I think, are, frankly, the Gene storyline. I don't know where that's going. I mean, I do know where it's going because I've seen the show before. Yes. But 
if I was watching, if I was watching this for the first time, it took a very long time to get to her calling HR, which ultimately is the crux of this arc. Yes, and I don't know what she thinks is going to happen yeah. there. I mean, to to me, I, I mean, all of in a lot of ways, Kate's arcs are about her becoming uh, about her experiences in a way matching with her intellect. Um, yes, she's getting at the point where you know. She's, I think, seventeen, and no, she's fifteen. She's fifteen. Yeah. Oh. Um. Okay. Because they mentioned that. Um. What's his name? Jason is sixteen. Uh. But then, so he's a, two years older than Marshall. Then, which that? Okay, that's fine. Yep. Um. Uh. Yeah. Kate is fifteen. She's very smart. Very, you know, thinks she's a lot wiser and more worldly than she is. She, you know, her her experiences throughout the series will get her to the point where she actually does get some worldly experience and is able to finally use that to... I mean, I think a perfect example of that, not to cut you off, is in the second episode, Betrayal, when uh, she goes in to pick up her check and she's talking to the other, you know, teenage waitress that's there. Yeah. And... Who, was that the one who... Yes, it was. The one in the very, I think the very first or second episode, which says, oh, you're the new one. Yeah. Yeah, okay, you're the new flavor of the month for Gene. And again, we, we... Kind of, it hasn't really been confirmed, but you get very much the sense she was the previous Kate, or she was one of. That's how she was hired. And yeah, exactly. And so you know, Jean has not done anything. I don't think physically abusive to Kate. I mean, the sex was the the, the sex was consensual in as much as a fifteen year old can consent to sex with a twenty five year old. Yes, but. It is this thing where she's talking to the waitress and she's just complaining about Gene and going, oh, isn't he gross? Look at what he's doing to the new waitress, et cetera, et cetera. But it doesn't occur to her to actually put in a complaint to human resources until the waitress says, hey, you could have a sexual yeah. you could have a sexual discrimination or a sexual harassment lawsuit here or, or a complaint. Mm-hmm. And suddenly the light bulb goes off. And so well, I, it's moments like that when you really see exactly how young Kate is. Well, think about when she's – when Tara asks, you know, oh, what are you upset about? And she just says, oh, I made a bad decision at work. Uh, right. You know, now, part of that is she's not really at a point where she's comfortable telling her mom exactly what happened just because she's a little, you know, but, you know, the fact that she frames it as, you know, something she actively did. Now, yes, there, you know, there may have been some poor decision on making on her part, but at the same time, this is all on Jean. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. again, Kate is 15 years old. Yeah, but again, you know, given that this is the scales falling from her eyes slowly as she's just getting older and, you know, slowly becoming... And know. it's 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 interesting to me because Jean is a character which I don't believe would ever physically harm Kate. No. But he does... There is a progression to his character, which is that you start to see exactly how stalkery he is. I mean, he shows up to Kate's house while... I mean, we will talk about Kate yeah. and, and Tara going off to their own little adventure. It is kind of interesting that in the first episode, Kate and Tara go off on a little adventure and things end badly when T comes out. And then in the second episode, Charmaine and Tara go yeah. off on a little adventure and things end badly when T comes out. But I think that what you see is Gene, when he comes to the house and he is... He is presuming a level of intimacy, well, which is disturbing. He just comes into the house. He's putting the soup down. Then he steals that picture of Kate as a child, which is the precipitating event for Kate, I think, in the second episode when she sees that he has that picture, really realizing exactly yeah. how creepy and in deep shit she is. Well, well let's be very let, – let's be clear about this. Gene is kind of dumb. 
probably in his own way extremely naive. I think he's taking a view of romance from romantic comedies, which plenty of people have, you know, pointed point out the stalkery or creepy or yes. you know disturbing from gene's view gene is not something sorry, is, you know, love love is not something that you wear somebody else down into yeah getting do you know what i mean but like, he think you know but he's seen enough movies where you do enough loving gestures and she'll be your girlfriend and this is what you do you know from his view you know oh she's sick i'm gonna be bring her beef broth and a uh and something to watch you know and she's gonna be family so guy happy. DVD. yeah exactly which you know, I, I love that. You, you know, but, but I of, mean, the, of the, this is a perfect. This is this is Jean's philosophy. I know she says she doesn't like it, but if she just gives it a chance, I think she will. That's Which, that. That's Jean in a nutshell. Well, that's Jean in a yeah, nutshell. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's thematically resonant yeah. because that's what Jean thinks well, will happen to him <laughs> as well, <laughs> and that is not going to but, happen. But again, that's a view of romance that comes from the internet and romantic comedies. It's a very stupid one. And, you know, and, uh, you know, I appreciate that the the show is pretty much showing exactly well in real life. If you're doing this actually to a 15 year old girl, that's fucked. Well, and even, I think Marshall is confused about what is going on. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about Marshall's storyline in a minute because my God, but it's very small, but it's also very big that, when Gene comes to the house and he just comes in and he's like, I'll leave her the soup and Marshall, I mean, Marshall's partially like, get the fuck out of my house. I've got a cute boy here. Yeah. We're going to go upstairs and possibly make out. But, but also he's that- also 15 as well. He's 14. And here is someone who's vaguely an authority figure. It was. Yeah. Know. Cause let's not forget. I mean, again, Gene is probably 10, 11 years older than, than, than Marshall. Right. Yeah. And so Marshall may not 100% realize that because my, I mean, Marshall is very identified with films, but yeah, you know, he's realizing that this is, you know, for, for some them, for some reason, I don't think romantic comedies are Marshall's bag. No, but he's probably seeing like, uh, you know, what's that? It happened one night and things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, brief encounter, he mentions. Ooh. Um, he wants to have an encounter with Jason's briefs. Um, Marshall, I, I get the sense Marshall thinks it's weird, but doesn't quite grasp how weird it is. Yeah, well, because he's young again. You know, they don't... I mean, in a certain sense... I mean, we talked about this a few episodes ago, but in a certain sense, you know, Marshall and Kate are much more worldly than they would be otherwise because they have to deal with their mother's mental illness. But at the same time, they're also very naive because they are still teenagers. They're young teenagers. Well, well... to a ver- to a degree, they their their weirdness. The, the, what 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 strikes the weirdness meter for them has is a very fucking high bar. But there's also a very much a difference between their mother's weirdness and the weirdness a stranger can bring into the house. Yes, I think. You know, and in a way, I think this is them. You know, this is Kate certainly beginning to grasp the distinction. She knows how to handle her mother well. Her mother is going to be a lot less dangerous than perhaps, you know, her 10 year old, 10 years older manager. Well, yeah, because, you know, T, Alice, Buck are not strangers. Yeah. I think that that's also, this is a good transition over to talking about the new alter that's come out, Gimme, who comes out in the second episode at, at the spa. And then also, you know, once Tara becomes T, that I think part of the reason why they're also freaked out about Gimme is that. Gimme is 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 a stranger, literally. Yeah, you know they they don't know who this person is. They don't know what this person is capable of. They don't know where this person is coming from. Yeah, and Even frankly, Tara's freaked out by it. The best theory that they have is that Gimme is pure id, and 
that's something they may not even be able to have a which i don't think they actually use the word no no but you know in 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 terms of functionally what's happening what what dr ocean says is that gimme holds her raw emotions yeah okay um again they they have theories but how can you she says it's pre-verbal it's uh essentially a child it's essentially an infant uh infantile kind of form in a lot of ways uh in the body of a 35 year old woman exactly um so yeah you know a a panicked animal gesture in a lot of ways they talk about it as she mentions it's animalistic at some point they don't know how if they even can form a relationship with gimme Right. I mean, they don't think that Gimme can talk or that Gimme knows how to talk. I mean, that is kind of it. The other thing, too, that's interesting as well, though, is that in the second episode, Tara does reveal that she is starting to, they call it co-consciousness, or Dr. Ocean calls it co-consciousness, which seems like an important step. Um, you know, they've got that one scene where she's cooking and then Alice, yeah. she sees Alice handing her the honey. Um, she knows that she kind of was understanding what was happening at the very yeah. end of the tattoo thing with the tea. And so is, but, but Gimme still seems like not that. Yeah. Gimme still seems, and maybe that's where that's coming from in the same, t- at the same time as Tara is starting to perhaps not integrate, but share consciousness with her alters she has this new altar which is kind of getting all of her raw emotions out and and keeping them aside in Mm -hmm. a sense yeah well i think that i mean especially with the with the um kate and tara story in the first episode yeah again i think that you know not to not to harp on kate too much and her naivete but there is that element to which Tara thinks, oh, they're going to have a wonderful little, you know, mother-daughter yeah. experience. And Kate is more interested in macking on the 25-year-old. I mean, let's be honest. Kate seems to have a type, <laughs> which which is older men, yeah. which is fine. Perhaps well, not she when you're is, 15. She's somebody who thinks she's wise She thinks she's worldly and, and wise, and she thinks that she could go off and backpack across the Himalayas and be fine. Yeah. But... Maybe she would be. I don't know. But uh, there is that moment where she's making out with the guy in, in the hot tub and Tara comes and then she transitions into tea. Yeah. It seems like it's interesting because at the same the same time uh, in the second episode when Tara transitions into tea, it's a – they're both very emotionally charged moments mm-hmm. for Tara, right? Well, this should – the series generally she does transition in emotionally charged moments but yes but yeah but i think that it seems to me that what's becoming clear is t comes out when the emotions that are triggering mm. her transition are very primal yeah right and so you know she transitions into gimme and then suddenly t comes out and it's almost like t is is trying to protect Tara from Gimme. Yeah. We're trying to protect everyone else from Gimme. Well, because, you know... It's, ta- not a- it's not Alice coming out. No, it's it's true. And T is going to be aggressive. And in a way, it kind of just, you know, gets as... It, it, it gets filed under, you know, T is just, you know, crazy. It had a panic attack when, you know, when it was something a lot more, again, animalistic. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you, if you rank the alters by their level of predictableness, right? Mm. You've got Gimme, then you've got T, then you've got Buck, then you've got Alice. Yeah. Really, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, T seems to be a problem. I mean, we see that in the second episode most clearly. Yeah. Although one thing I... What I found interesting is that this concept of the shed, which... Uh, we finally see in there, and it's it's basically the place that T has been able to decorate as her own room. So it's she listens when she's told to go to her room. Now she does in this episode, 
In Which is between. interesting they do call it a shed still. Well, yeah. <laughs> They're not like, go to your room. She's like, go to your shed. <laughs> like she's a dog or something. Yeah, but she does listen when she's told to. Again, she can still be extremely destructive inside yeah. there. But there is an element of, uh, 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 you can't tell Gimme to go to her room, you know? No, 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 no. You can't. And, and certainly Buck or Alice wouldn't listen to that either. I mean, Buck and Alice are adults, so yeah. they would not do that. Well, but at I, the same time, you know, you can say to Alice, listen, let me handle the discipline. And she, she Alice can be reasoned with. Yeah. Buck, maybe a little less so, but he can also be talked to as an adult. Yes. And Buck is also the alter that I believe we've... Well, no, actually, that's not true. We've seen Alice the least, I think. Mm. Interestingly enough, I think T is the one that has come out the most. You know, I, I kind of wrote that down on my notes where possibility the first episode is, is I think, the second episode, which is primarily featuring Tara. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second episode kind of is half and half. Uh, the show is definitely, I mean, maybe that's another reason why these episodes feel less distinct is that early yeah. on in the show, each episode featured one alter. And now... Yeah, in a lot of ways, they were doing that certainly to establish the character of the yes. alter. And you need to have one episode that's focusing but i i I suppose that you could make the argument that the show in its construction in these later episodes is trying to you know do something which is thematically bleeding together in the structure of the episodes because they are so loose yeah tara also the the walls between the altars are starting to come down the the altars are starting to come out at different points that Maybe that's what they're trying to do. It's going to be a lot more unpredictable in a way in that, you know, it's not like you get T and then for the next 24 hours she's going to be T. You know, she could be T for about an hour and then going to be Alice for about 20 minutes. And then, you know, we've got Buck until the evening when suddenly Gimme comes out for, you know, 30 seconds and, you know, wreaks havoc. Yeah, which is very different from what happened earlier in the season. Mm -hmm. You know, we had the altars that were staying there for hours and hours, sometimes for a couple of days. And now we've got, you know, Gimme coming out and then T comes out and then she transitions back in the space of like maybe two or three hours. But again, given this concept of co-consciousness, which suggests that uh, the barriers are breaking down a little bit. And I mean, certainly there's a suggestion that different alters know different things. T doesn't really seem to know much or anything about Gimme. Possibly. I, I She could also be lying. She could also be lying, but at the same time, She's also in, she's not interested in letting bla- if she knew that Gimme was the one who ripped up the wall, you think she wouldn't hesitate to save her own skin? True, yeah. Um, she at that point, you know, they, she's the main suspect for that. If she, I feel like if she knew, she'd clear her name. Meanwhile, Alice, who seems to know about it, is very it's something that she finds distasteful that she doesn't, you know, that she's trying to hide for the sake of everybody. Yeah, that that could be. And I mean, I also think that it's indicative. I mean, we haven't talked about Dr. Ocean too much, and I think we probably should deal with the fact that yeah. she is terminating her treatment. But that, that you know, Tara sees that as a bad thing, right? And yeah. part of, you know, wh- well, I, I wonder, is... I mean, I wonder about part of that too, though, because Alice is the only alter that Dr. Ocean has met, and Alice yes. is also the one that is perhaps the most impressive, <laughs> like uh, the uh, most uh, put together, the most reasonable in a certain sense. I think that perhaps if T was there, Mm-hmm. For example, maybe Dr. Ocean would not have done this so soon. I, I don't know. I don't know. Or, you know, let, let, let's look at what's happened to Dr. Ocean in the past uh, recentness. I mean, she has met the altar. She has. Um, uh, uh, wait, so it's, it's the. Do we see a session with Dr. Ocean in the first episode? 
No, I don't think Doctor Ocean appeared. That's right. Yeah, until because episode three or four. No, no, no. I mean, in the uh, first episode of this pair, no, oh, she's, oh. They, she does not have a session. I don't believe so. No, no. Um, so it's in the set. Yeah, that's right. She's feeling upset. She goes to the spa. That's again the the boundaries between the episodes are a little actually difficult. no. The first episode does. Because that's where it comes out that the Doctor Ocean says that Gimme holds her raw emotion. So I think okay. the, the first episode starts out with okay, that's a fair. Doctor Ocean scene. Um, but either way, for Doctor Ocean, I mean, one of the things we were saying is that this is very new to her. She seems like the kind of therapist who is very good, but probably mostly dealing with, you know, depression, dealing with, you know, marital counseling, e- exactly. You know, troubled teenagers. Like she, she could probably treat a real teenager who is T, but. As an altar of four, um, it is perhaps a you know a, a step or two beyond her, and she's at the point where I mean she's making this decision for Tara's best care because she can work with she can find somebody. I, I mean, we're going to assume right now that this doctor that uh, Doctor Roshan has in mind is a good doctor who is going to be good for her, for Tara, who knows about this condition more, who's worked with patients with this before and well yeah and i, I want to underline that point as well because i i do think that's very important to 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 say and to to make sure the people get is that yeah it is a good thing and a responsible thing for dr yeah. ocean to be terminating tara's treatment and to be pushing her towards another therapist that does have more experience in dealing with did well that's reminding me that in the first episode there is that actually that could precipitate the Termination of treatment because Tara doesn't Tara leave the session. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the she's getting very upset at Doctor at, at Doctor Ocean for talking to Max. And I mean, Doctor Ocean does say you know no breach of confidence was uh, happened. And basically, the, the conversation that she did have with Max didn't really go anything. You know. What he was telling her new, that's when she said, listen, we need to talk to her about this together, you know. Yeah. You know, he obviously knows that his wife's condition and the basics of it, they don't really go beyond that in their conversation. But at the same time, she did have, you know, this case is becoming very difficult for Dr. Ocean, and in some ways, she might feel compromised like her in a way. And so that, that might be a reason for the termination as well. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, certainly, let's not forget that therapists are real people. Oh, you know? yeah. So she probably feels uncomfortable. You're yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Marshall then. Okay. What, um, what, what, what the hell's going on here? Oh. Um, Jace, poor, uh, poor Jason, by the way. Like, what? what the, poor Jason. Yeah. I mean, he's just random. You know, he has a kid. You know, Jason is obviously going through, so, you know, Going through the questioning of his sexuality that a 16-year-old would, it is, you know, he certainly seems to be a tr- – he, he, he seems genuinely interested in Marshall and, you know, he seems that he does indeed want to continue seeing him and wants to continue making out. But he probably also still does like girls, probably the guy in uh, – once he, you know, grows into himself a little better will come out as bisexual or whatever or uh, – or and, whatever. Don't other bisexuality. It exists and it is I'm, real. I'm not othering pansexuality either. Ugh, yeah. Um, and then suddenly, you know. If you know the difference between bisexuality and pansexuality, please write us an email because I don't know what the difference is. We're going to get emails. Or, um, or leave us a comment. <laughs> um, 
And then suddenly his friend's mother starts kissing him and not it. I mean, he looks very uncomfortable. He does look very uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, let's I mean, let's I mean, I want to be very careful here because I don't want to say that T sexually assaulted Jason. No, but 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 in the sense that let, let me put it this way. If we have uh a guy doing, you know, a guy yeah. in T's position and a girl in uh, Jason's position, we, it will look a lot less ambiguous. And I think this, I mean, he very much says, like, I think. You know what? You're right. Yeah. Uh, you're actually right. I uh, T sexually assaulted him. Yeah. I will go that far now. Um, And frankly, Marshall, you know, f- this is dealing with one of, one of the themes that the show is beginning to deal with is Tara's complicity in this. It is, you know, just as let's see what Kate is screaming at the end of Possibility when T is getting a tattoo. You know, this is mom's body. You know, you're this is mom's flesh, mom's DNA. Yeah. So whose whose flesh, whose body is sexually assaulting uh, Jason at this point? It. it I mean, that it's it's an ex- and also it is it is complicated by the the revelation of the co consciousness as well. Yeah, it's an now ex- now. Do I really think that Tara would no. do this? No, but but the the point is this is something pretty fucked up with which happened to Jason, and it's something pretty fucked up which is also happening to Marshall. And you know, it's I, a, well, and I think it's very. I mean, nobody really. Takes his, takes his feelings seriously on this. Everybody is still worried about how Tara is dealing with it. They just, you know, I mean, Max even says, like, oh, he's listening to Billy Holiday. He'll be fine. They all think this is a moment where Marshall needs to cry it out. And so, I mean, nobody takes him seriously until he fucking sets the shit on fire. It. This is an, I mean, it's an extremely dark act. I mean, yes and no. I think that. Marshall, I mean, Marshall is a very complex character, yeah. obviously, as they all are. And, and you know, this is a very complex situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that I don't know that they're not taking Marshall seriously. I just think that they, yeah. I, I think that, I mean, Tara does go in to try and talk to him and he, he just mm. dismisses her. Let's not forget that. Max has that scene with him in the end of the first episode possibility where he's like, you've got it bad, don't you? And Marshall says, yeah, I think that's a distinct possibility, Uh which is where the title comes from, Ah! I guess. But um, there's a lot going on. Yes. And Kate is not very helpful. Kate is 15. She's dealing with her own stuff. She's trying to get on the phone with Barnaby HR. Charmaine is drunk. (laughs) I mean, and Max is trying to deal with his wife. And I think that this is a moment where every single member of this family is having a crisis. Right. And And it's just there's no bandwidth for it. And so Marshall is. I think Marshall's I mean, we'll see what the what the impact of of Marshall burning down the shed will be in, in the next episode, presumably. Yeah. But I don't I mean, obviously, let's say that Marshall setting the shed on fire is not the best thing to do. No, but it's, but I can understand why he would do it. He's, I, Marshall is somebody who has the entire time. I mean, in the episode with the Model UN or whatever, he, you know, he, he gets upset because he says, I always have to say it's fine. You know, I Marshall never complains that, you know, he's getting fucked by everything that's going on. And finally, this is the last straw for him. Yeah, because really what I mean, we have, I think the the thing that it makes me realize is that, you know, if the alters are coming out at specific moments because Tara cannot deal with a certain type of emotion that is happening yeah. at that point, and that seems to be the case, Alice, of course, is doing some fixing and Buck is just trying to, I don't know what the hell Buck is doing, but he's accomplishing something, I suppose. 
Tea is essentially an element of of chaos that is introduced into the yeah. house, and she is the almost the literal embodiment of how everybody else feels about what is going on with Tara's condition. Hmm. Gimme is something else entirely, of course. And so T coming into this situation is not helping matters, but I think that that's kind of the point of T in a sense. And so... I mean, I I guess they are... I mean, we are coming off with uh, when Tara does say to Charmaine, oh, we'll make it up to you. And Charmaine says, how? And, you know, she kind of just... Hugs Tara and leaves because, you know, yeah, you really can't make this up. You make this up to me, but fuck it, whatever. Like, right. you're sick. This is just. Well, because of this. It, well, in a certain sense, I mean, Charmaine is coming around. Charmaine's like, I needed a new robe anyway. You know, Kate is not that upset because the tattoo stopped and they also got their own little matching tattoos. Yeah. Marshall, I think, is reacting in the moment. He's reacting. He's reacting with, like a fourteen-year-old. Yes. You know, well, I mean, I never burned anything down when I was fourteen. Maybe, but you also never you had. Did. But you also your mother's alter personality didn't make out with the guy you really liked. So you don't know that for sure. I am fairly sure that this show was not based on you. <laughs> but I think that this is the moment that Marshall is acting in instinct that Tara cannot make this right. Yeah. You know, Marshall's dealing with a lot of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Marshall is uh, Marshall is gay. Marshall is having his first reciprocated mm-hmm. crush. I, I think it's difficult for everyone, including me and you, to remember exactly how scary the thought of sexual yeah. contact was when you're 14 particularly gay sexual contact way you know that that's something that has been i think that's a little less of a issue for no, marshall cer- certainly and that is the case but i i guess i you know think about the reactions that both parents have to marshall when he's mentioning jason to tara she says you know are you sh-? basically she asks you know are you sure that he's gay um, and he obviously gets very upset. Now I remember now. Yes. And doesn't she say something like, are you sure he's on the menu or something like very uh, weird. Uh, on the market on the market? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, definitely in an attended is he into dudes? Well, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, because now I, re- one the thing answer is yes. One thing I do remember when I was a teenager is, you know, and younger, you fall in love with a guy and you find every single you know, clue you can to, you know, maybe he really is gay. And if someone suggested otherwise, it's fucking heartbreaking. But that never happened to me because I was dead inside even at 16. That's cool. Um, But look at, you know, Max's response to him. His response is, you know, my son's in love. Like, oh, man, this is, you know, your first love. It's gonna hurt. But man, like, you know, it's a very, you know, for, for Marshall, it's a much more supportive thing to hear oh well yeah absolutely yeah. i mean i think that tara's not doing a very good job of this frankly no but not because marshall's gay i just don't think that she's very good at this no you know she but but again you know the 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 problem for marshall and kate is that they are at some of the most difficult ages that you will be at going through some perhaps unusually you know dramatic shit but certainly you know you know, even if it's the same shit that you have to deal with, you know, that everyone deals with when they're teenagers and their parents can't really be there for them. Yeah. Yeah. And in some cases, their parents are making things actively worse. If T had not made out with Jason, uh, there would be no problems there. And there also would be no burning down of the shed. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, the other thing, too, is, you know, since we're talking about, you know, sexual assault and we're talking about, you know, Gene and, and, and Kate and we're talking about T and Jason, uh, Marshall's a little bit of a creeper as well. I mean, Jason is asleep and Marshall's yeah. whatever he's doing. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's, not, it's it's the it crosses a line when he he kisses Jason when Jason is still asleep, but it crosses the kind of, but line then again, that, is Jason really asleep? Cause he wakes up pretty quickly. So I don't know, but I mean, just as if, you know, ju- just as maybe Marshall isn't quite old, you know, quite experienced enough to realize when somebody else is doing something creepy. I think he doesn't necessarily, he's 14 and very hormonal and, you know, it's, obviously cause he burned down a shed. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think that's the kind of thing that when Marshall is twenty he wouldn't do. Like I, I I don't I personally don't take that as anything other than he's just youthful. Yeah, I suppose that that's the case. And I mean it is it is you know the it, it is okay, not okay, but it is discounted because Jason does reciprocate it. Yeah. So there is that instance as well. You know, and at the end of the day, I think that the, I don't know, the Jason and I mean we talked a lot about how um, you know, early on that that Marshall's probably one of the most uh, uh, realistic interpretations mm-hmm. of a gay teenager that's ever been been put on television, and I think this is you know another case where that is really true. You yeah. know, and also the fact that you know Marshall is, I mean, in a sense, Marshall's living out the dream because the guy he has a crush on actually is interested yeah. in him to some degree. But you know, I don't know how realistic that is. But then again, I I'm not gay and a teenager in yeah. 2011, so maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know what's going on anymore. Yeah. But I don't know. It's a hard thing to watch because yeah. it ends so badly for him. Yeah, because you know, again, we're because I knew where this was going, and so I didn't remember that at all. Oh, you didn't? Yeah, yeah, I didn't remember where that. I knew they didn't, you know, end up together, but I don't remember. And maybe the, I don't know. I don't even actually remember if that's the case or not. But yeah, I didn't remember why, how it falls out, and you know, again, I say poor Jason because you know, with Mar, you know. Let's say he is, you know, genuinely into dudes. With Marshall, it would have been his. Marshall would have been a very great way to have your first dude experience. You know that that's again, you say living the dream. You know they're both awkward and fumbling together, and it's adorable. Yeah. Um, and now suddenly, you know, again the the incident with Tara is not only going to push him further into the closet, but it's also probably going to fuck up his attraction to girls too. Yeah, probably. But then again, I mean, you know, Jason does, you know, T asks him if he's into boys and he says, I think so. And then, well, because says, again, and, but again, she, but the, I'm, I'm, I'm saying yeah. this for a specific reason though, because then she asks him if she's in, if he's into girls and he says, I think so. So I think that what, what that really says is that Jason is just confused. I, but again, he's 16. He's allowed to be confused. Oh yeah. No, I'm is, not saying he's not allowed to be confused. He certainly is. The point is he is, you know, what, whatever he turns out to be, he's interested in ex- figuring that out with Marshall's help. I bet he is. Hmm. And at the end of the day, as first kisses go, that's that's a pretty good one. All right. Well, I think that's it for these two episodes. Okay. If you have any thoughts on either of the episodes we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of Tuning In at TuningInShow.com. You can go to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash TrekAboutShow, which supports both Tuning In and TrekAbout. Please go there and give generously. We're also on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Tuning in show is our username on all those places. And please leave us a positive iTunes review for tuning in. It is very helpful. And we would love you very much if you did that. 
We would love you as much as Charmaine loves Nick Hurley, environmental lawyer. <laughs> and also check out Trek About if you don't do that. Next week, we're going to be talking about the episodes Profit and Lace and Time's Orphan. Uh, that's exciting. Next week, we are ending the season. What? The first season already? already. Yeah. Yeah, 12, 12 episodes a season doesn't, you know, doesn't go that far, really. Six episodes of the podcast. That's it. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be talking about snow and miracle. It's a miracle that it snows in Kansas. I understand what the show is about now. I'm glad you do. Mac, why do you...